In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text is the Gospel reading, which you've heard. You may be seated. Advent and John the Baptizer are nearly synonymous. He is, as I said earlier this evening, the premier preacher of the coming of Jesus, which, as we heard on Sunday, is what Advent is all about. It was foretold by Malachi, the last of the Old Testament prophets. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. He is the prophet that Isaiah spoke of, as we heard from Matthew, when he says the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. In a sense, in fulfilling Malachi's prophecy, John is the extension of Elijah's and Malachi's ministries, making him the last in the line of the Old Testament prophets. Malachi was the last of the writing prophets, but John functions as the last of the preaching prophets. He is the one who, after centuries of God's messengers coming and pointing the people of God to the Messiah, he's the one that actually gets to point his physical finger at Jesus and say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The other thing John does, though, is he emphasizes how odd biblical Christianity is to the world around us. Matthew describes him as wearing a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, which would have recalled the garb of Elijah the Tishbite. If you recall, Elijah was seen as a bit of an outcast in Israel who was always contending with wicked King Ahab. So alone was Elijah in his faithfulness to God that he actually believed that he was the only one who had not yet bowed the knee to Baal. Now, while I don't see any of you donning camel hair this evening, you are clothed in a way that is different than the world. You are clothed in the very righteousness of Jesus. You have no need to strive after a moral perfection because to the Father, you already look like the Son. Like Jacob, wearing the goat skins before blind Isaac, you appear to be righteous before the all-seeing God. This means that you don't have to engage in the self-justification that the world often does. You've all seen this, that if you don't bear a certain label, whether it's political or a gender label, or a sports label, or whatever label it might be that the world is actually looking for, you then are often labeled as the enemy. You're on the wrong side of history, they'll tell you. And this means that your life is defined by an entirely different set of priorities than that of the world. As a Christian, you believe any number of things, like marriage issues, life issues, the use of money, I could go on and on. All of those things are going to put us out of step with the world because of the righteous garb of Jesus that we wear. 
I suppose at this point it's also worth mentioning that John's diet was also a little bit odd. He was a Nazarite, which meant that he'd been dedicated to God from birth and consecrated for a specific purpose. The Old Testament tells us that part of that vow that he was not to drink alcohol, which extended even to eating grapes and really anything that would come from a grape. Locusts and wild honey will not be on the menu, by the way, for any of our Advent suppers. But locusts and wild honey may be the dream diet of all of the elite globalists seeking to ban us from eating beef. But it's not something that I'm personally very interested in eating. But again, you do have a food that puts you out of step with those around you. This time of year between Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year, is a time when we all go all out for feasting. Feasting is not a rarity right now, but it is commonplace. I would argue that I had a feast before I came back up here. One person earlier this year actually told me that he had been to three Thanksgiving meals in a single day. But man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In this season of feasting, we must acknowledge that the greatest of feasts is that which the Lord gives to us. He hides that word that we are satisfied on in bread and wine in the sacrament of the altar, in which he gives us the very body and blood of Jesus to eat and to drink for the forgiveness of our sins. Maybe you've already heard the admonition this year that we are to keep Christ in Christmas But the best way to actually do that is to gather in the place where Jesus actually promises to be, here in his word and in his sacraments. While the majority of those who have a cultural Christmas celebration with pajamas and hot chocolate and presents by the fire, we Christians will once again show that we are out of step with the world by gathering with our true family around the Christ whose birth that we celebrate in this season, the one who is the dawning of our salvation. Dear saints, you ought to be just as out of step with the world this Advent season as John was in his day. The apostle, St. John, another John in the scriptures, tells us in his first epistle, The friendship with the world is enmity with God. This means that if we cuddle up too closely with the way the the world does things, we are actually God's enemies. So what does it mean? What does it mean to be out of step with the world? Well, I think that means that we ought to double down on Advent. You're not simply to be swept up in the culture of a Christmas celebration brought to you by Amazon.com and Walmart. You aren't to be caught up in that because you know that you need what the Christ comes to offer poor sinners by his incarnation and birth. Sinners went out to John to be baptized by him and they were confessing their sins. 
You are the baptized. And you come to this place here to confess your sins and receive the forgiveness that Jesus, your Savior, offers to you. But most importantly, you are a people who are waiting on the Lord's advent. In the age when we can get almost anything that we want, simply by tapping a button on our phones, the Christian is called to wait patiently for the Lord's coming. St. James called us, he calls for us rather, to establish our hearts. That is, to be watchful for his coming, heeding the preaching of John, who is our example, not only in how we live out of step with the world, but most importantly, as the one who points us on to Jesus, our Savior. This is the Jesus who will come with might, who comes bringing the reward of eternal salvation with him. He comes to gather us up as his little lambs and to carry us out of this valley of the shadow of death to the brightness of our heavenly home with him. In Jesus' name. And now, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus, our Lord.